Well, good morning to you here and those online as we meet together and we consider a passage of challenge out of Luke 7, a passage of an event, a occasion of divine grace and of beautiful intimacy. So I invite you to have your Bibles open at Luke 7 and those at home with your devices or wherever else you've got, um, we will be reading from there just now. Isn't it good, so nice after the COVID waning down, that we are allowed and able to go out to an invitation? Isn't it something when we receive an invitation to go to dinner? Oh, that is so nice because this person over the other side of town we haven't seen for two years or a year has invited us. And by text, or maybe in the mail, you've received this invite. And, oh, the anticipation. Free food. Yeah, that's a good part. And what else is there? There's, oh, people also, others have been invited. So that'll be good to see them. What shall I wear? Uh, Seven o'clock, maybe we'll go earlier. And then, what can I bring? Um, So you check out that and you make a plan to bring a gift because you haven't seen them. So there's this anticipation. So to enter in this morning, to really put yourself into our passage, you are living in Capernaum. Capernaum is on the north coast of Galilee, beautiful lake city. And you're living there and you've received an invitation A servant runner has brought you an invite on a papyrus cloth and you are to come to Simon the Pharisee's home Tuesday for dinner. Wow! You've heard about him. He's a respected leader in the synagogue and a a rabbi that you appreciate. Um, a man of good standing. And so you anticipate this dinner next week. And so you prepare for that. You know what you're going to wear, the best sandals, the gown, uh, and you're going to go along. And on that day, you head out in the afternoon, sufficiently early, and there's the beautiful late afternoon sun simmering on the Lake of Galilee, and you make your way down to uh, his home, which is an expensive home, and up the stairs, and you enter into his home. Uh, Servants receive you in the portico, and in fact, one of them washes your feet. You're grateful for that because it's dusty outside, and you move in and you sit down, or you're escorted to a seat uh, at the back end. Uh, In the middle, there's some other tables and and one or two others as well. And the place is laid out uh, with bowls of fruit. There's nuts on the table. Uh, There's going to be some bread and, of course, glasses for wine and water. And so you seat yourself down. And then you see that Jesus arrives. This man that you're anticipating to come, you've rumored he was going to be there, actually comes in with his disciples. And he sits down at the middle table and his disciples to one side. Um, And other men file in 
And then Simon comes in and sits next to Jesus. And then there's a muttering in the, in the men there, normal chatter. And suddenly you notice a woman. A woman arrives. And she comes directly to Jesus and bows at his feet. She gets really close to him. And the men get all concerned and muttering. There's a, there's a word going around. You know that un- difficult sort of moment in a, in a dinner or an occasion? That's, that's not a good woman. That's an impure woman. That, that's a, a certain woman from our town. We know her. She's, she's a prostitute. Wow. And so you sit back in your chair, uh, uncomfortable, because it's not gone to plan. And you wait to see what happens. So let's pick up the story then here. Now, as Jesus uh, comes into Simon's house. Verse 36, Luke 7. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would surely know what kind of woman this is, touching him. She is a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him the story. A man loaned money to two people. First, 500 pieces of silver to one, and then 50 pieces of silver to another. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, cancelling their debts. And Jesus asked this question, Who do you suppose loved him more than that, Simon? After that. And Simon answered, "Mm, I suppose the one for whom he cancelled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman And said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash my feet. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss when I first came in. But she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy 
of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with a rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven you. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man who goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus then said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in peace. So to explore this account, this dramatic account of significance for us this morning, today, let's consider each person or group one by one. So let's start then with Simon the Pharisee. Good place to start. He's the host of the dinner. And he's an expert in the Mosaic law. He's a teacher, Pharisee. And he's a wealthy man because he's invited a lot of men to his home for dinner. But he's also invited Jesus to look at Jesus, to understand him more. Because Jesus had been ministering to the northern side of Galilee. And in fact, his reputation had gone around. This was early on in his ministry. uh, And Simon had heard of miracles and wanted Jesus present in his home. And he calls him teacher, which of course is right. He's rabbi. He certainly seems to believe in a God because he's a mosaic of the, of the Jewish law. He's a teacher. He believes in a God who helped the Israelites. But Jesus comes in and he's, He's uncertain who he is, really. And then what is apparent from Jesus' response to him is that he is very limited in his courtesy. He didn't anoint, uh, didn't wash his feet, which was a good custom. And Jesus would have been the main guest. Uh, He doesn't anoint him with oil. And he shows him little love. In fact, very poor, paltry love in comparison to the woman. And we'll see that later. But also, what is major here is that Jesus knows his thoughts. Because this woman enters the scene and he judges her. She's a sinner. Uh, She can't be here. Um, how can she, an unclean outcast, be touching her, uh, touching Jesus? And of course, the Lord knows all the hearts of the men there present. And in fact, Jesus knows all of our hearts present here today. And he contrasts Simon with the woman. Amazingly, I'm sure Simon did not wake up in that morning to know that his own love, his own Integrity would be compared 
to a woman who came into his home uninvited. But Jesus goes to the core of Simon's judgmental, low, limited love. Let's move now to the woman. And we're going to park off here a little while because I think it comes to the glorious wonder of the story. So it's a certain woman, a specific, a particular woman in that city uh, known to be immoral. So she had a reputation, clearly, uh, most likely a prostitute, selling her body for sex. Uh, But let's not miss the details of the story. She enters in uninvited. Well, yes, because in the Jewish law and in the religion of that day, a prostitute and defiled woman would be dirty, would be an outcast, would not come be open to the synagogue and the, and the, and the workings of uh, the worship. It would be very difficult for her to get credibility anywhere. She's considered immoral. She's deemed a sinner. And of course she's judged by Simon, as we've said. But she hears Jesus is coming to dinner and is eating there. She hears of that. She intentionally then decides, I'm going to go see him. I am now going to go into that place and reach out to him. So she comes to Jesus publicly in a male environment, in a dinner scene, and she brings a gift to anoint him. This very expensive perfume. That's what she's got. And it's a treasure because she's kept it for a long time and she brings it to Jesus. Now notice when she comes into the room, she doesn't go to another man or linger at the side, hoping for someone to come to her, a man, maybe she could get some money, or maybe look to tempt him to come be with her. She comes directly to Jesus, and to Jesus alone. And notice too, she's unnamed. She is doesn't have a name. She's not Mary from Bethany who anointed Jesus' feet before his crucifixion. Nor is she Mary Magdalene who did anoint Jesus' feet with, with a, a perfume in another account. She is an anonymous sinner. She is like one of us. I am that immoral woman before a holy God. And then she comes and she kneels, bows at Jesus' feet, and then she weeps. Very strident in this picture is her tears, and they flow out of her, and they fall on Jesus' feet, and she washes his feet using her hair to clean the Savior's feet, the teacher's feet. And then she touches, 
with her lips. She kisses Jesus' feet. I don't think in all of Scripture or all of the Gospels there's a more intimate picture of someone engaging with the Son of God. So, my friend, let's see something about her. See it from her side. Her tears, her tears, they strike you. They tears certainly of emotional release, of being at the end of herself. Uh, she's an outcast and she comes to Jesus. She kneels in submission. And I believe that in the inaudible thoughts and maybe her whispers, there was confession. Everything comes out, the past in her mind, the loneliness, the lack of intimacy, the past. And she releases her burden. But I asked the question of myself in the last few weeks, why did she weep? Why? And here's, here's the real answer. Here was a sinful woman came head up against the divine, holy, perfectly pure Son of God. Her own sinfulness is exposed. She comes and she weeps at his feet and the awful purity, the wonderful purity and holiness of Jesus hits her. And she is clinging on in her tears and in her submission to the only person who can help. She comes with all she's got in submission. Here is a dramatic picture of a sinner facing and meeting the Savior. Beautiful. Notice Jesus doesn't throw her out. He doesn't reject her. He doesn't send her to some counselor or uh, says, no, we've got a dinner here and you're excluded. He accepts her. He receives her worship. He beautifully uses her as an example for this religious man who is the host. A staggering, dramatic picture at any dinner. Translate that into your dinner that you've maybe gone to in the last couple of weeks. It, the mind boggles. But note also that for the woman, Jesus forgives all her sins. And they were many. Not one, they were many. Which means a good life, of the good part of her life was sinful and had many acts of sin. Isn't that us? Isn't that me? And Jesus alone can do this forgiveness. And he states it publicly to her. The man hero. Your sins are forgiven you. 
he deals with her deepest need because actually that's what will give her freedom. The bondage of her past, the awful blackness of her evil condition is wiped clean. And only Jesus can do that. And he does. This is my friend Grace. She didn't deserve this. She didn't earn it. She didn't come in and give a testimony of of begging. She came as she was in simple childlike faith to a saviour who received her in love and forgiveness. She believed in Jesus, clearly. She clearly believed that this teacher was God who can forgive her sin. Lovely words, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. He sees, Jesus sees her intentional step towards her, towards him as she comes into this place. Honestly, openly, with everything on the table. In our sophisticated modern world, where do we see that honest confession to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Where do I do that? Lord, I do I confess openly, honestly, or do I pretend with God? Jesus sees our hearts, every bit of it, every thought, every act, every intention. He knows us all together and he wants to engage with us. He loves us so much that he wants that at my feet, all out on the table for you, Jesus. And notice also about the woman that in that moment, she is changed. Because the divine Son of God, the God-man has forgiven her and saved her. Her life now turns and she's born again. She's made a new creature. And she leaves Simon's house free, completely free. And the call in her life is not to go back to her sin, but to live in the righteousness that God has given her in Jesus. Because we have that verse, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Hallelujah. And friends, as I stand here today, as that immoral woman in my past, I stand here free, forgiven, completely clean. Why? How so? Because Jesus, the perfect Son of God, loved me and gave himself for me. He who knew no sin took Kevin's sin and died my death on a cross. And the Lord raised him from the dead and put me by that same power into Christ. That, my friend, my child of God friend, my my saint here, rejoice in the forgiveness and the complete work of Jesus today.
Go in peace. What a lovely blessing. Go in peace. She was a certain immoral woman who became a certain forgiven, saved woman. She was very certain of it. Why? How? Well, look who gave her the forgiveness. Jesus. The only person in all of the cosmos who can forgive sin because he is God. And then, let's now move to the other group. The men. The men sitting around as you are witnessing, because you're at the back of the room, remember, and you look and you see the men mutter, stunned. Hold on. Is this God? Who is this man? Who, who is this Jesus that forgives sin? Who goes around forgiving sin? What a question. Oh, but what an answer. It is the question in life that we must answer. Who is Jesus? Who is this man? What is your answer today? Who is Jesus? Now, notice also that earlier in Luke's account, uh, there was the event of a paralyzed man being lowered down from a roof that it was very crowded. Jesus was teaching. No one could get into the room. Uh, and four men, by determined faith, said, okay, we're going to lower this paralyzed man down in front of Jesus because he can't walk in to see Jesus. He's on a mat. So they did that. They lowered him down. And Jesus forgives the man. That's the first thing he does. Your sins are forgiving you. And then he turns to the scribes and the Pharisees who are having this major problem with Jesus. They don't believe in him. They don't believe him. He says, what is easiest? To forgive sin or to heal the man? My friend, today, it is easy to have healing. It is divinely difficult to have forgiveness of sin except through the Son of God. And so he says, so that you will know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he turns to the man who's paralyzed, get up and walk, take up your mat and go home, and he does. And all the people were amazed and they praised God. That's the Jesus we have to do with. That is the living Christ in bodily form. So we now then come to Jesus. Who is this man? He is the divine guest. The absolute, the biggest person there. And let's not miss his divinity, but also his, his wonderful humanity. He's touchable. He reaches, he he. he, he sees the woman. He, he doesn't embrace her. That's not told in the story. But he is the God-man. The God-man from Galilee. 
Fifty years ago, there was that song, Put your hand in the hand of the man who walked the water. Put your hand in the hand of the man who still the sea. Take a look at yourself and you can look at others differently. So put your hand in the hand of the man from Galilee. Great tune. I love it. But it's on human level. Putting your hand is absolutely one part of walking with Jesus. But confessing and submitting to the sovereign Christ, my Savior who died for me. Oh, friend, that's the bigger part of Jesus. That's the living life in me. But yes, there is in that song a putting, a going to, a step of faith. But this is Jesus. If you ever want to know who is the man, no better account than John 1. John writes his wonderful gospel, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Read it this afternoon and rejoice. Because Jesus, the Word, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have beheld, we have seen, we've grasped his glory. Wow! And here in this story, we get a picture of Jesus. Perfectly pure, beautiful in holiness, loving and accepting the Christ who went to the cross. Notice, though, that there is an after-dinner future. I've referred to it in the woman. The woman goes back to her world, free and forgiven. But if you read in Matthew, in Luke 8, here's after dinner events. Soon after, Luke 8, verse 1, soon afterwards, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some woman who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Could it be? Could it be that this woman, this, this immoral woman now forgiven, becomes a follower and contributes to the ministry of Jesus? I believe that was pretty likely. And we've seen it down the ages. God takes a man and a woman, changes them, and they are transformed into new ministry, loving work. Their lives are completely different. And you can be that today. You can be that today. But there are two other groups. In fact, there are three, but let's start with the two remaining groups. Not reported in the story, 
there are angels. Yes, angels in heaven. Because as Jesus deals with this woman and saves her from her sin and forgives her, there is instantly in heaven, behind the veil, as we tear it back, we see rejoicing in heaven. Hallelujah. Another sinner has been brought home, been clutched from Satan and his evil and the depths of hell, and is now in Christ. And there's a singing and a rejoicing. Do not miss, my friend this morning, that behind this stuff is the spiritual world. And we're here today because we are spirit, we have souls. And for sure as I stand here today, one day we all will bow the knee before the sovereign Christ of heaven. And confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Whether you want to or not, we will all bow in eternity and face a Savior, my friend, or face a judge to whom we must all give an account. Do not miss the gravity of this. The importance of the answer to the question, who is this man? There's no longer time in this world to fiddle around and dither with answering this question in your soul. Life is short. When you watch young Ukrainian soldiers and young Russian soldiers being killed in an evil war. Life is short when you see an older man in a, in a, in a battling to breathe on an oxygen uh, device in a hospital in Mississauga and he passes away. This is of what we are speaking this morning. Who is this man? Is Jesus who calls to you. And the days are urgent. The days are evil. Turn, come to Jesus. The other group in Capernaum, because it's a busy fishing village, uh, and I believe very good fish in those days. It was a thriving little uh, trade port. But the other group of the passerbys. Outside of Simon's house, they weren't invited. The rest of the town got on with its thing. And we see it here in Mississauga. Outside of these walls, outside of the many churches, outside of you in your home, gathered around listening to this address, are people driving in cars or walking or going to malls who care not for the Son of God who loves them and gave himself for them. There is no doubt about it. There is a absolute blackness, apostasy, no belief. They don't even ask the question, who is this man? 
That is a serious place to be. In a world that is rotating on its axis, 26 degrees inclination, and as we rotate year after year, this planet is heading to a new heaven and a new earth and Jesus coming back again. That's the eternal perspective. And so that's the call this morning. Because let us consider the last person. The last person in this account. And that's yourself. Remember, you are sitting in Simon's house. And uh, Simon comes in with his servants. They clear the tables. They remove uh, the uh, bowls of uneaten food. Jesus and his disciples have left. The woman has gone off with a smile on her face. And you look at Simon and you see a worried man. He's got no smile. And then you get up and you pick up your coat and you walk out through the portico and the moon has just come up and you step out into the street down the steps and on Lake Galilee it's a beautiful shimmer. And in your mind the words go round. Simon, I have something to say to you. And then you hear this other command, this other beautiful saying, your sins are forgiven you. And then what also comes to mind, your faith has saved you. And you've heard also, who is this man? And suddenly you're back here. You're in Mississauga, you're in this sermon, you're hearing me Today. And it is now, today is the day of salvation. Jesus calls to you today. The Holy Spirit is here speaking to hearts about your love for God, about Jesus and who he is. And I, I just present the Lord to you. And ask from the depth of my heart. In fact, it's not me asking. Jesus is calling. Come unto me. All of you who are weary, you carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest, Jesus said in Matthew 11. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The loving Lord Jesus risen in heaven today by his Holy Spirit pleads for you. Do not miss the call today. Do not miss the call today. And I'm going to go into some prayer now. And as God has been speaking to you, Let us come to Jesus and bow at his feet and bring ourselves to him. Let us pray. Let us pray together. Wherever you are in your home, 
find a place to pray. If you can hear my voice, then do that. But let us come to the Savior, to the living Christ. Let us pray. Oh, dear Jesus, we come today. We've heard your word. We are thrilled, stunned, challenged by this account that was real in Capernaum. And Lord, we want you. We want all of you. And you want all of us. And so, Lord, if there is a person here who knows not forgiveness, has never taken you in as Savior. Lord, I pray this prayer for them. And as you hear these words, if you want to follow in your heart's cry, pray after me. And when you finish praying after the service, make sure you speak with someone here who will certainly help you. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've failed you and my past is wretched. And I come to you, Jesus the Christ, you who died for me. And I bow at your feet, Jesus, and I say, forgive all my sin like you did that woman. And come in and have all of me. Wash me completely. I give my life to you. All of it. And believe that you died on a cross for me. I love you, Jesus. Take me now. And I pray this in your name. The name I believe in. The name of Jesus. Amen and amen.